And now, Revival Fires International presents the Revival Fires radio broadcast with the dynamic evangelistic ministry of Dr. Tim Todd, a powerful voice for God and country. Welcome to this very special Christmas edition of the Revival Fires radio broadcast. This is the season where we as believers celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus. Today, Dr. Tim Todd will deliver a powerful Christmas message that will remind us of how our society has strayed from honoring Jesus, just as many did that lived during the time of his birth. Let's turn our attention right now to this powerful message from Luke chapter 2 as Dr. Tim Todd delivers this powerful message entitled, The Saddest Verse in the Bible. Luke chapter 2 and verse 7. Look at this with me. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because... There was no room for them in the end. The title of my message, The Saddest Verse in the Bible. Bow with me for a word of prayer. Father, speak to us through your word tonight. Let the power of the Holy Ghost that raised Jesus from the dead flow freely. And I pray, Lord God, that you'll take us from where we are right now and put us where you want us to be and accomplish everything that you want done through the preaching of your word And in the altar service tonight, in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. It says, there was no room for them in the end. The saddest words of tongue or pen are the sad, sad words. No room in the end. The saddest words of tongue or pen are the sad, sad words. No room in the end. Jesus, the Son of God, was born into a world here on the earth that hated him. He was born to die, not to live. Now consider for a moment this baby that was born, the most extraordinary child ever to be born. When he was born at his birth, he was older than his own mother that gave birth to him. Think about that. A baby that at his birth was older than his own mother. But this is true. Jesus was older than Mary when she gave birth to him. And Jesus was back there in the beginning of time. You remember what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God said, let us make man in our own image. God was talking to his son. You remember in John the first chapter? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him, not anything was made. In Him was a life, and the life was the light of men. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory as of the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This Jesus that was born in Bethlehem of Judea, was born in a barn. Now, he was not born in a castle or a mansion or even a house. He was not born in a doctor's office or in a hospital, but the Savior of the world was born in a barn. Why? Well, people had come from all over the area for the paying of their taxes. 
the streets were jammed and there was no room in the inn. So the Son of God was born in a barn where the lowing of the cattle are heard. Now I have an idea that most of you sitting here know what a barn is used for, right? It's where we keep the cattle, the horses, the pigs, the chickens, the goats. And why do we keep the various animals in the barn? Well, it's simple. We want to be able to go into the barn when it's convenient for us. But we certainly don't want those animals coming into our house and disrupting our schedule and interfering with things. So we keep the animals in the barn. That's what a lot of people have done with Jesus. They put Jesus in the barn of their life. Oh, we don't want Jesus to come into the center of our life so we can have a real massive outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We don't want Jesus to come into the, get in the way of our parties and our programs. We don't want Jesus to come into the center of our life and get in the way of our, our sports activities and our, our ball games. We don't want Jesus to come into the, the center of our life and get in the way of our, our television programs and our movies and our busy work schedule. And there are many people that have put Jesus in the barn of their life. And then it says, they wrapped him in swaddling clothes. What are swaddling clothes? They're rags. They're leftovers. Isn't it true? That's many people, that's all they have for Jesus is the leftovers of their time and their talent, the leftovers of their abilities, the leftovers of their worship, the leftovers of their money. And there are many people that have put Jesus in the barn of their life and they've wrapped him in rags. Oh, Jesus, we don't want you to come into the center of our life and be the Lord of our life on the throne of our heart. And you remember when the wise men were looking for Jesus after he was born. They didn't know where to find him. So they stopped over in Jerusalem and they inquired of the religious leaders. And the religious leaders didn't even know where Jesus was. So they pulled out the old scrolls of Micah. They said, as far as we can tell, this baby that you're describing, that you're looking for, will be born in a little town south of here, about six miles, a place called Bethlehem. So the wise men went on to find Jesus, but the religious leadership did not go to worship Jesus. No doubt, they were just too busy. The religious, when it seemed like the Old Testament prophets stood on their tiptoes to get one glimpse of the coming Messiah. But then in the hour and the day that Jesus was born, they wouldn't walk six miles across town to find him. No doubt they probably had choir practice. They might have had a board meeting. Or the church might have been having a business meeting. No doubt they didn't have time and it was not a priority for them to go see the Son of God. How many times do we get so caught up in church work that we lose sight of the work of the church? So many preachers that I talk to today, they get caught up doing things that don't amount to a hill of beans when it comes to building the kingdom. And they get caught up in having to babysit people that have been in church all of their life and are not able to focus on the things that God has called them to do. Everybody in this building we need to weigh everything that we do and everything that we're involved in and ask yourself, how is what you're doing going to build the kingdom of God? And so many times we get so caught up in things that don't amount to anything for building the kingdom of God. And it says that these wise men, they went looking for Jesus, they stopped in Jerusalem. The religious leaders pointed the wise men in the direction of Jesus and the wise men went to find Jesus, but the religious leadership they didn't go. They went back and they told King Herod what had just transpired. Well, immediately King Herod thought 
that his kingship was going to be threatened. So he was afraid that this baby was going to grow up, dethrone him, and take over the Roman Empire. So King Herod sent out marching orders for the Roman soldiers to kill all of the baby boys two years old and younger. And when this massacre took place, it was one of the most bizarre, ridiculous ravages recorded in the Word of God. I was in someone's home a few weeks ago looking through their family Bible on the coffee table. I came across a two-page center spread, an artist's depiction of what took place when all of these little innocent boys were killed. It was a horrible sight. Roman soldiers plunging those spears into the baby's bodies. Mothers running down the streets of Bethlehem, screaming for their babies. Babies kicking in a puddle of their own blood. And I had to stop and ask myself, why did all of these innocent baby boys have to die? It was simple. The reason why all those babies had to die is because there was no room for Jesus in Bethlehem. But today it's not any better than it was then. You see, in King Herod's day, the devil was cleverly murdering the children two years old and younger. And it was even legal on the books. But today, even more cleverly, the devil is murdering children before they get out of the mother's womb. More than 40 million babies that have been massacred through abortion. Why the godless killing of all of the innocent babies in America? It's because there's no room for Jesus in the hearts of so many people in this nation. But there was room for one child in Bethlehem. The sweet little holy child, Jesus, Joseph was warned of an angel and he fled to Egypt with Mary. So get this, no room for Jesus in Bethlehem. No room for Jesus in King Herod's heart. No room for Jesus in the Roman soldiers' hearts. Now you would expect for the world not to have room for Jesus, that would make sense. But what about the religious leadership during that time? Those leaders, when the wise men went to worship Jesus, they themselves did not go to worship Jesus. The religious leaders were pointing the wise men in the direction of Jesus, but they themselves were considered to be hypocrites according to the word of God. But did you know that today we've got preachers in the pulpit that are pointing people to Jesus, but they themselves are living a hypocritical life? I know of a preacher that will not come and preach unless you guarantee him $20,000 up front. I say, what happened to making room for Jesus and preaching the Word of God without any strings attached? I know of another preacher. He went to preach a revival just outside of Birmingham, Alabama, in a good-sized church. At the end of the revival, the pastor proudly handed that evangelist a check for $7,000. The evangelist looked at the check, and he handed it back to the pastor of the church, and he said, that's not enough money. That won't pay my bills and handed it back to him. What happened to preaching for Jesus? I know a woman evangelist, she requires 10 white Escalades to pick her and her entourage up at the airport, take them to the hotel, and then back and forth during the services. Whatever happened to humility? Whatever happened to being in the ministry because Jesus Christ called you with no strings attached. I say, let's identify who these people are and not have anything to do with them and take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and go forward. I was in a revival in Alabama and I'm talking about preachers making room for Jesus. One of the neighboring Assembly of God churches dismissed their Wednesday night service for the specific purpose 
of coming over and participating in the revival where I was preaching. Wednesday night rolled around and everybody from that neighboring church showed up for that revival service except for one person. Guess who it was? The pastor of the church. Now I realize that there are legitimate reasons why people are not able to come to church, but we found out later that the reason why that pastor and his wife did not come to that revival service is because the last showing of Survivor was going to be on that Wednesday night, and he wanted to be sure and not miss the final episode of it. Many preachers today that do not make room for Jesus in their ministry and in their heart, in their life. I heard about a pastor that had a dead church. He couldn't get anybody to come out on Wednesday night or Sunday night for the services. So finally, out of frustration, he closed down the evening services on Sunday night and Wednesday night. Just closed them down. Six months later, when the board found out about it, they fired him. Many people, it would be six months to a year before half the church even realized that you weren't having church. Many people in the church today that don't make room for Jesus. I know people, and you do too, they'll drive a hundred miles to watch a ball game, eat a weenie sandwich, and drink a Coke. And some of those very same people won't drive across town to come to church. It's time to get Jesus out of the part of your life and get him on the throne of your heart. Get him out of the rags and get him into the riches. When Jesus started his earthly ministry, it wasn't any better. He said in his word, Matthew chapter 8 and verse 20, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And as Jesus was finishing one of his teachings in John 7, verse 53, it says, everybody went their own way to their own home. But the very next verse, John chapter 8, and verse 1, it says, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. He went there to pray. But the truth is, he didn't have a home to go to. I don't know how humble the home is that you live in now. It's still better than the one that Jesus had because Jesus didn't even have a place to lay his head. Isn't it amazing how we get fussy about our pillows, don't we? Whether they're firm or, or feather. I like a feather pillow. Jesus didn't have a pillow to get fussy about. The foxes were better off than he was. The birds were better off than he was. Then in the city of Gadara, there was no room for Jesus. Matthew chapter 8. The disciples and Jesus crossed over to the other side. And they came into the city of Gadara. And immediately, Jesus was approached by two demon-possessed men that came out of the cemetery. And immediately they identified that this was the Son of God. And these demons said, if you must cast us out, let us go into those hogs. And what did Jesus do? He answered those demons' prayer request. <laughs> now you may know somebody that gets their prayers answered all the time. Don't let that be the only gauge as to whether or not they're living, right? Because Jesus even answered the request of these demons. He cast these demons into those pigs. Those pigs took off running and plunged themselves into the lake and they drowned. And you'd think with this kind of a deliverance, a massive outpouring of the Holy Ghost would take place in the city of Gadara. The people taking care of those pigs ran into the city of Gadara. They told everybody what had happened. And you know what their response was? 
instead of extending that revival, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 34, the whole city approached Jesus and they besought him that he would leave their coast. They said, get out of here, Jesus. We don't want you in Gadara. You know what the problem was? Hog raising was more important than soul winning in Gadara. But it's not any better now than it was then. In fact, it's worse. I know people, and you do too, that they will do things on their job that violate the Word of God just to get a paycheck. And there are many people today that they get so stressed out with such a busy, hectic work schedule that it interferes with their relationship with Jesus Christ. So there was no room for Jesus in the city of Gadara. And then there was no room for Jesus in the city of Nazareth in the temple. The significance. It was Jesus' own hometown and his own home church did not have room for him. You remember in Luke chapter 4, Jesus went into the temple where he was raised. And he began to teach. Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 18. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captive free, to set at liberty those that are bruised. And he continued to preach, heal the sick, raise the dead, set the captives free. When he finished preaching, he closed the book, handed it back to the minister. He sat down and the eyes of everybody in the temple were upon him. And as he had all of their attention, he said, this day, these things are being fulfilled. Well, the religious leadership didn't want to hear that kind of talk. So they grabbed Jesus and they took him to the edge of Nazareth. And they were going to throw him off of a cliff, a bluff, to a horrible death. And the Bible says, Jesus passed through the midst of them. You see, it wasn't his time to go. But my point is this. Jesus was unwanted and unwelcome in his own hometown and his own home church. How would you like to go off to school and come back to First Assembly and share what God had done in your life and for the response to be for the church body to take you out to the edge of Griffin and throw you off of a cliff because they didn't want to hear what God had shown you. If Jesus would have been a famous ball player or a gold Olympic medalist coming back to his hometown, if Jesus would have been a famous movie star or a TV star coming back to his own hometown, oh, they would have had a big parade and a big processional for him. They would have had marching and shouting up and down the streets of his own hometown. They would have named a building after him or perhaps even a street after him. They would have had a big banquet and they would have had him set at the head of the banquet table and give a speech. If Jesus would have been a famous ball player or a famous TV star or a movie star or a famous politician. But listen to me, church. Jesus is better than any ball player that's ever lived. He's better than any ball game that's ever been played. He's better than any ball team that's ever existed. He's better than any TV star or movie star or any politician that's ever served in office and we need to make room for Jesus Christ more than we do these other positions so there was no room for Jesus in his own hometown and then there was no room for Jesus in Jerusalem the significance Jerusalem is the religious capital of the world again the Bible says in John chapter 8 verse 58 Jesus was teaching. He said to the religious leaders that were in the temple that day, 
Verily, verily, I say unto you. In other words, he was saying, listen real close to what I'm getting ready to say to you. He said, before Abraham was, I am. They didn't want to hear that. <laughs> the religious leadership, the Bible says, that they picked up rocks and they were going to run him out. I don't know what it was about that religious leadership. Always trying to throw Jesus off of a cliff or stone him. And, I mean, these, were, these guys were uncivilized. And they were going to run him out of town like a stray dog. And again, the Bible says, Jesus passed through the midst of them and went his own way. And no doubt, it was just a short time after that that the Son of God, rejected by so many, climbed up on top of the hill of, uh, overlooking Jerusalem. And in Matthew 23 and verse 37, he cried out these words. He said, Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, thou dost killest the prophets and stone them that are sent unto thee. He said, how long to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks? But you wouldn't let me. Judas had no room for Jesus. He betrayed him with 30 pieces of silver. Pilate had no room for Jesus. He turned him over to be crucified. The Jews had no room for Jesus. They said, let his blood be on our heads. Crucify him. Again, the Roman soldiers had no room for Jesus. They whipped his back with a cat of nine tails. They ran the crown of thorns on his head. They nailed him to an old rugged cross and plunged a spear in his side. These were dark days that the Son of God hung on that old rugged cross. But it's not any better now than it was then. You see, today we have the Herods and the Pilots of our time. The crooked politicians. The liberal news media, the politically correct. I'd never seen such an all-out attack on nativity scenes on government school property as I saw this past Christmas. I'd never seen such an all-out onslaught of attacks on God, on government property, and in public school. In many of our public schools, the Bible and God have been debarred and kicked out, and the devil has moved in. God has become unwanted and unwelcome, and in our schools, the devil has become welcome with open arms, cussing and swearing, drinking and smoking among young people, school kids that I've had tell me they've got rooms where they can smoke, but they don't have rooms to pray. God help us because in our public schools we've kicked God out and as a result of it the devil has moved in. No room for Jesus in the United Nations. Over a hundred nations that have been brought together to bring world peace and yet the Prince of Peace is not even welcome in the UN. How many of you remember the name Mikhail Gorbachev? The former leader of the former Soviet Union. You know what he's been doing since he left office? He's been over here in America teaching in our public schools, colleges, and universities his anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-church, anti-Christ message. Now think about it. We live in a nation in America that we want to remove the Ten Commandments from the walls in our public schools, can't sing Christmas carols, can't read the Bible, can't pray, can't say anything about God because it's not politically correct. And in the very same schools, they're rolling out the red carpet for an antichrist. Are you beginning to get the picture here? People in our nation that won't make room for Jesus in a nation that was founded on biblical principles. And I'll take this a step further. There are many people that want to leave Jesus out of Christmas. Now think about how ridiculous that is. How would you like for it to be your birthday and for people to not want you to come to your own birthday party? 
But this is the mentality of many people in our nation that are so spiritually shallow. They say, oh, we're going to ruin Christmas by bringing Jesus into it. And I want to challenge you. When Christmas rolls around, what are you getting Jesus for his birthday present? I'll tell you what he wants. He wants all of you, and I challenge you that the amount of money that you spend on Jesus at Christmas, since it is his birthday, right, will surpass the amount of money that you spend on anyone else. Whether it be your husband or your wife or your children, let's not fall into the same trap that so many people in the world fall into by leaving Jesus out of his own birthday. You say, well, Brother Todd, how do you define that? giving a gift to Jesus. Matthew 25, Jesus said, to feed the hungry, to take care of the poor, to clothe the naked, visit the prisons. The Bible says to take care of the orphan and the widow. Jesus said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. When you bless your pastor or the pastoral staff at Christmas time, that's blessing Jesus. But it's time for us to make room for Jesus. There are many people that make up the church today. They say, well, you know what, Brother Todd? I hear what you're saying. But the truth is, with my busy schedule and all that I've got going on in my life, I don't have time to read the Bible like I'd like to. I don't have time to pray like I'd like to. I don't have time to go to church like I need to. I don't have time to worship God like I should. And and listen, if you've got so much business to attend to that you can't read the Bible and pray and study it out and attend church faithfully and pay your tithe and give your offerings and serve God and worship Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, if you can't do that, you've got more business than God ever intended for you to have. It's time for Jesus for us to get him out of the barn of your life and get him on the throne of your heart. Get him out of the rags and get him into the riches. You don't make him the king. He's already the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You make him the king of your life and the Lord of your life. Many people today that don't make room for Jesus when he was walking on the earth physically They finally found room for Jesus here on the earth. You say, was it in Pilate's heart? No. King Herod's heart? No. Wasn't in Judah's heart. It wasn't in Bethlehem. It wasn't in Gadara. It wasn't in Nazareth. It wasn't in Jerusalem. They finally found room for Jesus in one place on the earth. The old rugged cross. Heaven wasn't ready for him yet. And the earth didn't want him anymore. And the Son of God died on that old rugged cross so that you could live for him. Listen, if you don't make room for Jesus in every area of your life, when it's time to go from this earth, he won't make room for you. But if you make room for Jesus to be the Lord of your life on the throne of your heart, then he'll make room for you. What a powerful and convicting reminder of how we can so easily make less and less room for Jesus during the time when we should be celebrating him the most. Let's not give the Lord a borrowed space for a temporary time. Instead, let's give him total access to all parts of our lives right now and for all of eternity. 
Now that you have received this encouraging reminder, I want to encourage you to go to the store on our website at revivalfires.org and order your friends and family our special CD-DVD combo of the complete unedited version of this powerfully anointed Christmas message, The Saddest Verse in the Bible. You've been listening to the Revival Fires radio broadcast with Dr. Tim Tom. Revival Fires International is a dynamic ministry fanning the flames of revival across America and around the world through revival services, evangelistic crusades, providing more than 300,000 Bibles for our troops defending America in the war on terror, giving more than 2.5 million Truth for Youth Bibles to America's young people, providing 1 million Bibles for the people of Cuba, that have never had a Bible, providing more than 1 million Bibles for Russian soldiers and more than 2.5 million Bibles for Russian young people, television and radio ministry and internet evangelism to receive a CD-DVD combo of today's message or to view Dr. Tim Todd's ministry itinerary or to become a monthly flame partner or give a one-time tax-deductible financial gift to Revival Fires to help us continue the vitally important work that God is doing through Revival Fires International, you may go to revivalfires.org or write to us at Revival Fires, P.O. Box 372, West Monroe, Louisiana, 71294. Our address again is Revival Fires, P.O. Box 372, West Monroe, Louisiana, 71294. Until our next program, thank you for praying for us. And thank you for helping us take the whole gospel to the whole world before Jesus comes.